This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. Launching into hour number one, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Once again, that's 800-259-9231. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites. We do it for free. Those greedy, greedy, greedy talk show hosts. It's all there at freetalklive.com. Breaking news out of uh, Boston. Well, I guess it's out of Maine, but the report's coming out of Boston for some reason. Reuters, Maine lawmakers on Thursday became the first in the nation to demand repeal of a federal law tightening identification requirements for driver's licenses. A post-September 11th security measure that states say that will cost them billions of dollars to administer. Maine lawmakers passed a resolution urging the repeal of the Real ID Act. Mm-hmm. And you know, they say, as Maine goes, so goes the nation. Is that what they say? I thought uh, that was as California goes. Um, no, they don't have a saying for California. Really? Those crazy Californians? I'm not sure. I've um, never heard that saying before. I've heard the as California goes, so uh, goes the nation. Uh, it may Somebody may have changed, uh, you know, may changed the state just for kicks, huh. but... Um, I think it has more to do with prohibition. You know, prohibitions was started really? in Maine and stuff. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's awful. Well, in this case, uh, they're talking about the Real ID Act, which was passed over a year. Was it about a year? Was it in 2005 or 2006? Gosh, I forget at this point. I think it was 2005. It's been so long. They I don't passed. Know. They passed the Real ID Act. Uh, I think it was back in. Uh, yes, yeah, so here it is. May of. No. Hang on a second here. Which would re- uh, re- repeal the Real ID Act, which would create a national digital identification system by 2008. The lawmaker said it would cost Maine about $185 million, fail to boost security, and put people at greater risk of identity theft. Maine's resolution is the strongest stand yet by a state against the law, which Congress passed in May of 2004. Okay, they've got, they actually got it wrong in the article. That's why I was confused. Because it says May of 2004 in the article, then it says they gave the states three years to implement. 2004 plus three is 2007, so it was May of 2005 when they passed the law. Okay. So they passed the Real ID Act in 2005. It's an unfunded mandate on all of the state Department of Motor Vehicles. You guys just got to get this stuff in line and things. That's, That's all it is. It's just a little rule. Well, it's a lot of rules. It's a lot um, of rules, but and the bureaucrats don't like it. The reason why this, uh, the reason why Maine has done this, isn't because they care about your freedom. It isn't because they love liberty or anything like that. It's just because the mandates didn't come along with millions of dollars in funding. And well, so essentially, they did the, come with millions of dollars of funding. It's just that they've already got the funding, and if they want to keep the funding for whatever programs it is that they're getting already, the fibbies are liable to say, hey, you know. This is how it goes. You um, step up to the plate and you get your uh, IDs in line with the federal ID, Mm -hmm. or um, we're going to stop funding in this other area. Right. So Maine, uh, quote, the House Majority Leader said, we can't be spending millions of state dollars on an initiative that does more to harm our state than good. In a statement that called it a massive unfunded federal mandate, the ID Act sets national, uh, national standards for licenses, which will have to include a digital photo, anti-counterfeiting measures, and machine-readable technology. States will have to verify documents presented with license applications, such as birth certificates, social security cards, and utility bills, and will have to link their license databases so they can all be accessed as a single network. States will also have to verify that a person applying for a license is in the country legally. States will be able to ensure, excuse me, issue... That can't be easy to figure out. ...separate credentials to illegal aliens so they'll still be able to drive. The National Governors... Hold on, the illegal aliens get to get, to get a driver's license? Uh, that's what it says here. Wow. 
the National Governors Association, the Not National very illegal. Conference of State Legislators, and the American Association of Motor Vehicle Administrators said in a September report that the law would cost states more than $11 billion over five years and take at least another seven years to implement. It's the national <laughs> Can ID. you imagine? I mean, really, if you put some business in charge of doing this, hey, get these 50 organizations in line and, and have all their stuff the same, have all their IDs the same. It couldn't take that long. No. It can't be that hard. It takes seven years to implement? That's what they're claiming. It might even take them longer than that. They're just saying, whoa, we can't do whoa, this in three this years. Is crazy. This is crazy talk. Right. Now, I'm not saying I we want them. We need cash. Them. We need time. <laughs> I'm not saying I want them to do this this right. real ID nonsense. I think, it's, I think it's a bad idea because of this. This is the main reason I'm against it, is it's just going to cost so much money to get these bureaucrats to change their ways in each one of these states. They, they're not used to working, and they're not used to working together. And th- this is just going to be too much for them. It's going to cost... Billions and billions of dollars yep. to get this done, and when they get it done, it's going to be a mess. They would and love to have it's going to make counterfeiting one of these things that much more effective. It's true, because then you'll have one uh, that's yeah. valid everywhere. You'll have an ID that's valid everywhere, because you can't tell me they're not going to be able to counterfeit these things. You can't tell me that. You can put an- anti-counterfeiting measures in place, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be counterfeitable. If, if they can crack, uh, if the crackers can essentially crack out all of the uh, the security features from software and have had no problem making uh, making fake $100 bills. Past, I mean, they're, they're not going to have a problem with this. Yep. It'll be a matter of probably hours once the card is released to the public <laughs> That's right. before the crackers have a, a handle on how to make fake ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Uselex64 or whatever his name is is going to cr- crack that one too. American Civil Liberties Union uh, Technology and Liberty Projects, uh, Barry Steinhardt, says it's a national ID card on steroids. This will indeed be a real nightmare. But backers say the driver's license, a primary means of identification in the United States, is fundamentally insecure because of widespread identity theft. Some 227 million people hold driver's licenses or identity cards given out by states, which issue or renew about 70 million each year. So Maine is the first state to officially say no to the real ID. You and know, good for them. Even if these bureaucrats claimed that their uh, new real ID would cut down on uh, counterfeiting by 90 percent, mm-hmm. you couldn't believe them. Because sure. they're always, they always come up short from what they say they're going to. Besides, that's pure speculation. They, they guess low as far as the price and they deliver low as far as the, um, the, the, the end product. 1-800-259-9231, the packet8.net toll free line for you. Hopefully, this will be the beginning of uh, a number of states. Maybe, as you're suggesting, maybe other states will follow Maine's lead in this particular case. It's a shame that New Hampshire wasn't the first to reject the national ID. I would agree, but New Hampshire's looking at, at rejecting it for a different reason. New Hampshire's looking at rejecting it, um, at least what we're trying to do is reject it based on principle. That was the idea, yes. And so and it takes people a little longer to get in line on principle. You can, you can say, hey, there's no budget here, and that's a little easier for people to, to get on board with. But now they have an extra reason to do it, and that is that the bureaucrats are unhappy. Angry bureaucrats. They don't, oh they don't want to do work without billions of dollars rolling in to pay for it. <laughs> that's really all this is about. If it the, is. If this came along, if the Real ID program came along with millions of dollars in cash from, from uh, taxpayer dollars at the federal level, then these bureaucrats, they wouldn't be... They wouldn't have a problem with it at all. What they would say, though, is that, oh, we just don't have enough time. Then it would be the time issue. They wouldn't reject it outright. 
because they would have money coming in. They would just tell the feds, we're going to need more time on this. Uh, you're going to have to send us a few more million dollars and a few. we're going to need a few more years on this one. And then, you know, of course, the deadline will come up. And what's the Fed going to do? What are the feds going to do if they aren't on board? Are they really going to completely shut out that state? Are I can't imagine. Are they really going to do that? What, yeah, cut a state off from the union? I mean, and take away all their funding? Hard to believe. Let's go to the phones. You take control of the airwaves. It's Scott in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Scott in Illinois going once. Hey, I'm here. Hey, Scott, what's on your mind? Um, I'm having a problem with my local police. Uh, they're Uh-oh. trying to get me on drug charges, which I've stopped. I've been stopped for over a couple months, and I went through rehab and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe I'm under siege. What do you by, mean? Uh, local police. What uh, what evidence do you have? Uh, why why do you suggest that? Uh, I just I, I know I'm being tailed. Uh, my neighbors I I used to use with one of my neighbors, and he's actually I believe being paid to surveillance me now. Now hold on a second. Are you a a former drug user or are yep. you a former drug dealer? User. Well, how much? How many drugs were you using? I mean, were you using pounds of cocaine and marijuana? I mean, no. What sort of quantities are we talking about here? Uh, probably three hundred a week. Three hundred dollars or three hundred. Three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars worth of what drugs? Coke. Cocaine. And you believe the cops are tailing you because you're a drug user? I'd like to explore this more if you'll hang on, Scott. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I guess it might be possible if he lives in, like, a little town somewhere where they really don't have anyone else to go after. No bigger fish, if you will, to fry. But I've never heard of anyone who's a drug user being tailed by the cops. It's news to me. More on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away. That does include live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version sitting there waiting for you at our website at freetalklive.com. So do enjoy those. They are on us. And February's winner of the Lysander Spooner Award, Radicals for Capitalism, a freewheeling history of the modern American libertarian movement by Brian Doherty, outlines both the history of libertarianism and its true influence yet to come. Check out this and many other books and videos on liberty at lfb.com. That's laissez-faire books at lfb.com. Now, it's my understanding that's the only place that you can get um, Radicals for Capitalism right now. They have it in stock. Nobody else does. There you go. lfb.com. Our toll-free number, 800-259-9231. We go back to Scott in Illinois. You're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Now, Scott, you say you just kicked a cocaine habit. You were snorting uh, $300 a week of yeah. uh, of cocaine. Who said snorting? Well, yeah. I guess you oh, can inject it, right? Yeah. Okay. And Or you could, I suppose you can smoke cocaine, too, right? Free base. Oh, yeah. Um, so you were... Um, consuming $300 in cocaine per week, and you got caught, I presume, yes? No, I didn't get caught. I, I actually went for help oh. so I could stay with my family. Okay. And um, I believe this is going on right now. I I heard one of your commercials about biosolutions. I believe I'm getting attacked by RF waves as what? we speak. 
Uh, um, wait, wait, wait. Who's attacking you? Uh, I don't know if it's local police or... Well, do you think... Um, have you seen the local police's equipment that they use to attack by RF waves? I've never seen in such equipment. No, I haven't seen it, but... Why I, would the police be doing the that? Of it. I, I went through a major depression. Maybe it's just withdrawal, Scott. Have you considered that? I mean, yeah, I, I considered that. How it's long not, have you been clean? Uh, it's been over three months, okay. four months. Uh, so, so you quit, uh, you quit snorting coke, and now yes. all of a sudden you're paranoid because you believe the police are after you. What on earth would make would have made them either well, for, discover that you were a cokehead? Uh, secondly, what would make them come after you? Uh, they're actually the feds and the DEA are the in feds. the area doing major sweeps right now. Why uh, would the I DEA be doing a south sweep? Of Chicago. Fifty miles south. So where you live in a small town? Uh, it's not really small. Well, what's what's the population where you live? It's about sixteen thousand. I don't know if that's small. Yeah, it's or... it's on the smaller side. It's, it's a larger it's town. Large town. Yes. Uh, what makes you believe the DEA would be would care about uh, a cokehead? Um, I, I guess I heard that they were in town and they were doing sweeps. Who did you hear that from? Your old dealer? No. Um, I'm just looking for some kind of support. What sort of sweeps are you talking about? Um, they're picking up guys, turning them against their dealers, mm-hmm. and, uh, well, like I said, my neighbor across the street, I was actually, uh, he was going through me to get it, and I don't know if they turned him on me. Has he been arrested? No. But so you're just paranoid. He's come into an awful lot of money lately. And, huh. uh, yeah, they don't pay had... snitches much, though. I, I don't know. I don't know what I they think, pay him. Um, I, I, it seems to me like um, you're just... It, you're being paranoid. I don't think there's any RF yeah. attacks going on. It just—it doesn't seem likely to me. That's certainly not how is the there, DEA operates. Is there any way you can get some um, supported, like a you know the drug treatment program, and talk to them about it a little bit? I already have. And have what you do they to say? Them? Well, everyone thinks I'm nuts. Well, you know, it sounds like you might be a little bit nuts on this one, Scott. I, I mean, it's very mistaken. Very How's that? You're very, it seems like you're uh, you're a little bit paranoid here because uh, while there's a chance that they could be coming after you in order to uh, to uh, to to find out who your dealer is, uh, I think that they would be a little bit more upfront about what they were looking for. Um, you know, you don't have cocaine in your house, do you? No. Okay, so then really you don't have anything to be concerned with as far as, like, the cops aren't going to bust in tonight and found a, uh, find a kilo of coke in your, uh, your, the back corner of your closet. And your, informa- no. your information's stale. Um, I mean, you've been out of, the, you've been out of the, uh, the, the, the ring of influence for three months now. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people are going to assume that since you're going, you've gone straight that you could be a snitch. So they're, you know, they're not going to confide in you any new information. I, I don't think that the cops think you're the, a red-hot item to be going after. Yeah. It just doesn't make much sense. It's it's well, very unlikely. I think everything's going to be fine for you, Scott. Just yeah. uh, just get you back to your life. You got to find somebody to talk to. Yeah, get back to your life. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, definitely find someone that you can confide in. Do you have a wife or a significant other? Well, yeah, yeah. She, I, she thinks I'm kind of crazy too, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I've never I don't, heard, I don't know. I was. I've, I, I, let I me say this, uh, Scott. I've known a lot of people that have um, have done drugs and have had brushes with the police, and I, I got to say that I've never ever heard of the tactics that uh, that you're referring to so i i say just um you know keep your eyes open don't let the paranoia get to you it's unlikely that they're going to come after you and besides you're not going to roll over on your guy anyway are you well i 
I'm not even into it, so... All right, you're not into it, that. so they can't charge you with anything. They don't. They don't really have anything they can hold over your head to where they could give you a deal if you were to uh, roll over on your dealer. Right. It's so much easier, and there's so many people out there that are doing coke right now that would be so much easier to bust than you, Scott. Right. Yeah. So there you go. So keep your mouth shut uh, about your dealer. Don't snitch, and uh, you'll be fine. Just be patient, and this will all blow over. Thanks for the call. Find somebody to talk to. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Wow. Does cocaine make you paranoid? I I think that it might you know I, you know your your brain gets attached to these drugs and then getting off of it can make you know little little screws come loose. He's probably just going through a depression and I, I think thinking. you picked it and some poor guy. Withdrawal. Yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't see I, I, you know we're not there we're not going through what he's going through but it doesn't make much sense that they're following around. Um, That's what, not very yeah, likely. Just, just a user. I mean yeah. you know he couldn't have been much of the a dealer. De- and it sure as heck isn't a DEA. The DEA doesn't dabble with users. They go after the big dogs. Yeah, it just doesn't. I mean, I'm certain they have dabbled with users, and they would if they thought they, they could the get DEA? something. The DEA. They they would if they thought they could get somewhere with Maybe it. Maybe a user who's snorting three pounds a you know, a week, something where they could actually connect to a, a player. Yeah. But most users are just buying from other users. I mean, in the cocaine world. When you are uh, a user, you've got to support your habits somehow. Right. And if you're not willing to go and knock over convenience stores and break into people's cars and hurt people to get the cash for your habit, then the only other choice for you, if you're not wealthy, is to sell cocaine to others. Right. And so most people will go and pick up whatever amount of coke they uh, they do, and then they'll sell to certain specific people who are their friends. Like he was saying, he was selling to his neighbor across the street. I thought the, the neighbor was selling to him. I wasn't exactly sure. Uh, w- whatever. Yeah, see my was, point? There's some kind of re- relationship going right. there. But it wasn't, it wasn't major. Right, you know? so people who are close just do a little deal here and there. That way they help cover their costs. The DEA is not going to mess with that. I no. mean, even the, even the local well, they police... Well, they would if they ran across it, but it doesn't seem like... But how would they? I mean, the DEA is investigating big boys. They're not going to run across... The DEA doesn't just pull people over in town. That's something that your local sheriffs do, right. the local uh, the, the, the city police. You know, I get it confused because um, the, they, in the county I was from, um, they called the local... Vice Squad, the DEA also. Oh. Hmm. Something like that. They were wrong. Yeah. 800-259-9231 is the packet. 8.net toll-free line for you. Owen in Washington wants to talk national ID. Hopefully he'll be patient. We'll take your calls about anything. If you make them, 1-800-259-9231. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away. The bulletin board system included over 180,000 posts await you. Over 1,300 people interacting, and it's all totally free. bbs.freetalklive.com will get you there. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. What's your liberty issue? The right to bear arms? Register now for the February 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Panelists include pro-Second Amendment New Hampshire state rep- representatives and gun organizations, as well as Bill Westmiller, National Chairman of the Republican Liberty Caucus. Visit freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to register today. 
Let's go to the phones. Do the fun. Owen in Washington. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Owen. Doing great. What's on your mind? Well, I think you guys are talking about this national ID thing, about how one state's finally saying no. It's good news. Which is good, which is really good, by the way. Yes. I'm glad to hear this. But the whole identity theft issue needs to be thoroughly addressed from the baseline of law. Okay. What do you mean? The baseline of law? Yes. Title 42, Section 405 clearly explains who gets a Social Security number. Okay, who does? Social Security number is the basis for 90% or more of the identity theft. Okay, I agree. And because the law only states that foreigners lawfully entering the country shall be issued a Social Security number, and citizens who wish to receive federal benefits who apply for the number shall receive a number, Mm -hmm. that people need to wake up and realize that they need to say, hey, listen, I don't want federal benefits, and they can say, hey, I don't want the Social Security number anymore either. Right, so if it's federal benefits, you're just talking about basically Social Security is the only federal benefit, right? Well, no, it goes more. It goes beyond that. No, he means anything. If you want to participate in any sort of federal program, and I don't. you have to have a, a social security number. Well, not just any sort. It's like anything that's based on the social security. If you want to receive uh, federal supported child support, if you want to f- receive uh, federally sponsored, uh, what is it, college loans, school loans, mm-hmm. whatever, what have you. I happen to be. I, I I'm with you on this. Owen. I think that parents should hold back from getting their kids social security numbers. Unfortunately, most people um, have social security numbers, and they don't quite know what to do about it. If they want to get rid of it, um, you, there's there's supposed to be a process you can go through. But at the same time, if you don't have a social security number, how are you supposed to get a job? Well, actually, there, you can get a job by filing a lawsuit for discrimination because it falls under the anti-discrimination acts. How long do you think that lawsuit's going to take? Because it's found to be discrimination based on nation of origin if you don't have a social security number and they refuse to hire you because of that. Hmm. Interesting. I, I, I'd say he's probably right. I don't know how long this lawsuit would take and how much... Yeah, how much know. would it cost? Oh, there, was a, there was a recent lawsuit, uh, I think it was two th- early 2000s, late 90s, against the Department of Navy. And? Somebody uh, said, hey, listen, I, don't, I won't get you. They got rid of their social security number because it was against the religion. He had, was it 16 years, was it 14 years in the Navy, and he was uh, going to retire in six years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they kicked him out because they said, no, no social security number. He said, no, I want a uh, the alternative identification number with a service number. Okay. And the Navy kicks him out because of this. Wow. He turns out and files a lawsuit, wins the lawsuit. He gets six years back pay from the Navy and his uh, pension. So wait a minute. Wait, he got rid of his social security number while he was in the Navy? I missed that part. Sure. I see. And what's the process like to actually get rid of one's social security number? I mean, how long does that take? How many forms do you have to fill out? One, you, hey, listen, I can post it on your BBS. Uh, again, I can post a link to how I did it. But Great. I filled out an affidavit that saying would... that, hey, one, I never applied for the number like the law re- would require. Right, your parents did. Yes. Two, the application was made under fraud and duress. Okay. And uh, three, there was like basic. There was three basic things. I can't remember what the third one was. Do they write well, you back? Does the Social Security Administration actually get back to you, or do they just sort of process it and uh, and that's it? Well, actually, the Social Security Administration tries to ignore it. I bet they do. But you send a certified mail to them, mm-hmm. and you send them with a cover letter saying, "Hey, at least send it to the Secretary of Treasury, saying, hey, listen." Respond to me in 90 days if I'm wrong about any of this. And then they don't. 
right? And they don't respond. So by default, you keep a copy of the affidavit, you keep a copy of the cover letter, and you keep a copy of the return receipt. Mm-hmm. And there's hard proof that you sent it to them. If they didn't respond, you win by default. Now, do you have a bank account, Owen? Yes, I actually opened up a bank account with USAA without a social security number. USAA? Yeah. Is that a local bank? No, that's the, that's the, uh, the the that's the bank for um, officers, former officers. Is that right? Military, yeah. Yeah. Or no, while you're in the military, you can open up the account. Did you have to my threaten? Account, the, did, on my account, there's no social security number. Did you have to threaten a lawsuit in order to open the account? No. Really? No, because no. it's my understanding if you don't have a social security number, you simply can't get a bank account. Yeah, I went into the bank That's and I, correct. I, I went into the bank sure. and uh, they bank. didn't want to hear about it. Now with the bank, it's pretty easy. You go after a credit union first. In fact, they found one guy that, on the internet who advertises that. You can open, not only can you open up a bank account, but you can pay $1,000 for every account that they refuse to open. Hmm. Because, uh, so you say, credit unions work, uh, you say credit unions work better than banks? Why is that? Yeah. Well, because the credit union, part of the charter, at least in Washington, is it has to be open to all Washington, all legal Washington residents. So it's a violation as... of their own charter. Gotcha. Huh. Well, that's certainly worth looking into. If you actually have a bank with no Social Security number... Can the IRS uh, find your account? Is it more difficult for them to find your account? Like, for instance, if yes. you weren't paying taxes and they wanted to put a freeze on your bank account, um, I would they can't even Actually, they can't even put a freeze on an average citizen's account. They can only put a freeze on uh, federal workers' employees or federal employees. They, they can or they the do? <laughs> well, just because they do doesn't mean they're following the law. That's true. Well, they break the, the law. They certainly break the law all the time. Oh, I'm definitely interested in having you post this uh, on the bulletin board system. And thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. The guy knows a lot about the about this topic, and it seems too. It's such a, a an important and uh, important issue, but it's so deep. I mean, there's so much. Uh, red tape wrapped yeah, around it all. That's the perfect word. Red tape. And who likes? I don't like dealing with these people. Me these these bureaucrats. I, I just I would much rather be left alone by the government than. To, be, to have to deal with all their stuff, and they make it so that they're so in, entangled in your life. Yep. They, they, they've got this. You've got to have our special number, otherwise you can't do business anywhere. I like, you can't get a job. You can't have a bank account. The most basic things in human. You must have our number. And when it comes to income taxes and all that stuff, you must fill out our paperwork and fill it out properly. Otherwise, we'll charge you. Throw you in a jail cell if you don't get it right. Sad. Well, generally, like, they won't throw you in a jail cell unless you're you're obviously trying to not fill out their paperwork. I like his approach of essentially declaring his position and saying, you have 90 days to respond and tell me otherwise, or else I'm presuming this is correct, and they don't respond. So that's essentially them saying, yeah, you're right, but we're not going to say anything about it. Hmm. And that way you can't actually... Uh, I don't know, man. You can't. I guess you couldn't hold up uh, one of the, the pieces of paper that's from them saying, "Yeah, it's true. You don't actually have to have this number." Though we did, we've seen that actually in the past. There was a guy down in Sarasota where we used to live. No, he it, who, it said you didn't have to pay into Social Security. I thought it said you didn't have to have a number. Hmm. No. I believe it said you didn't have to have a number. On top of the fact that you didn't have to pay into, I don't recall. No, no. He he showed us a piece of paper that said he didn't have to pay Social Security from the and Social he, Security Administration, and it really looked legit as hell to me. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you've had experience um, opting out of the system, like to hear from you. Uh, and let's go to the phones in the meantime to Nick in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Nick. Hello. Hey, Nick. What's hey, Nick. on your mind? Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to talk shop with you guys for a minute about the show. Sure, sure. 
Um, basically, from what I've seen, Free Talk Live has a much younger demographic than most talk radio. It's true. It does seem so. Um, do you guys ever use that as a selling point? Because um, talk radio seems to have predominantly an, you know, an older demographic, and it seems like they could be facing some problems, uh, you know, 10, 20 years down the line. I use it as a selling point when, uh, when it's useful to use it as a selling point, but generally it's not. What do young yeah. males consume? Beer? Mm, yeah, beer. <laughs> yeah, well, beer advertisers like their venues a little larger than Strippers? FTL. Yeah. Um, strippers, they don't really nas- um, nationally advertise. Yeah, most talk radio is a, an older demographic, and most advertisers that are looking for talk radio are looking for that demographic. So we've got a tough uh, road to hoe here. More on the way, it is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8.net toll-free line for you, one 800 259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, we give them away, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by, for instance, buying some stuff. The Free Talk Live store is open for business at store.freetalklive.com. You'll find some very high-quality merchandise, various different Free Talk Live hats, uh, Free Talk Live t-shirts. We've got the Free Marketeer flag, Free Talk Live bumper stickers, which are free, by the way. You can get details on how you can get yourself a free one at store.freetalklive.com. Also, don't forget, you can also shop at amazon.freetalklive.com to buy virtually anything else that you might need in life. That's, again, amazon.freetalklive.com. If you shop through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your sale. Let's go to the phones to Robert in Arizona. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Robert. Hey there. Hey, what's on your mind? Um, I wanted to call you. I was listening on podcast to your show yesterday, and I had an experience with a um, pack rat that was just incredible. (laughs) My first job, we're probably talking 30 years ago, was working um, to pick up bodies for a um, funeral home. Oh boy! And, Yikes! Hey, yeah. where do you pick them up? <laughs> it was yeah. We just went out to pick them up after the examiner released them. So but you went to the like the city morgue or um, you know that kind of thing. You went to no, pretty much we one place. The, we went to the house uh, where oh. they died. Oh my! Or the freeway to pick up parts or whatever. So you're like the cleanup crew. Cleanup crew. You got it. The, wow. The meat wagon, and as it were. This was a small house in El Paso that. Um, it, it didn't look like anything from the outside, and we we got to it, and we were told that we uh, had to enter by we couldn't get in the front door. We <laughs> had to go in by a, by the back door. Which, That's a bad you know, sign. Was, was a bad sign, <laughs> and the other sign was is that um, we were told before we got there that this person had been dead for a while, oh, and wow. um, that the way it got reported was by a smell. So, <laughs> and they lived smell. alone. They had lived alone. So, man, the smell had to go pretty good distance. Yeah. Right. Before you get in, but before you go into getting into the house, what do you do with this with a smell situation? Is there some sort of a respirator that you wear when you go in there? Because it's got to be overpowering. You know, at that time there wasn't, so you just dealt with it. Wow. I'm sure now things have improved greatly. How long ago um, was this? I can't even imagine walking into that kind of stink. I, I would probably just puke just yeah. like several times. Uh, I actually did a couple of times. Um, on this particular job? On this particular job, no, because it had gotten past the really bad part and gone into mummification. So, hmm. um, it, how long you know, does it, it re- how long does it take for a body to to mummify? 
on its well, own. Well, it depends where it's at. In yeah. a place like El Paso, where it's very dry and uh, you know hot, it, 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 it's different than in a place probably where you're at. Um, there, it probably just putrefy versus yeah. mummify. <laughs> so um, that's quite a difference. So what would you uh, imagine how long this body was sitting there for? A matter of weeks? Months? Probably months. Months. Oh, my goodness. So this was, a, this was an individual who didn't have uh, friends, didn't have family. Nobody knew this person. Well, uh, hold on. What dead. about the power company's bill? I mean, don't they have some kind of system for saying, you know, hey, this person hasn't paid their bill in several months. There might be something wrong with them. What about the uh, mailman? I mean, he's delivering things to the uh, whatever mailbox just piling up. Day, day after day it's after just, day. You would think that he would have yeah. reported something. Yeah, it's just piling up. Um, I, I have I have no idea how it originally got it got reported. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there was some sort of a drop slot in the house that maybe the mailman didn't see it. I don't right. know if they were without electricity or if if the turn off of the electricity is what was part of what triggered it. You so know, maybe then is when it got people to come out and then they noticed the smell. So you there you were called to the house. There were about 25 or 30 dead cats in the house. Oh, my uh, goodness. How did the cats die? Uh, they were locked in? Food. They were just locked you know, in? They were, yeah, they were locked in the house. You'd think they'd eat the other cat. You'd think they'd eat the corpse. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. They did, didn't they? There, there was a lot. It, it was not a pretty scene. No, I bet it wasn't. Oh, my goodness. So what happened? And you I, had to go in the back door. Anyone in El Paso remembers this, because I, I was with about five other people. They'll remember it quite clearly to this day. This is a big story. But when we got there, yeah. the, the uh, medical examiner apparently made a tunnel to get from the back door through, literally, the, it was from the floor to the ceiling, and then they had put, this person had put, like canvas in front of the windows, so they could stack newspapers from the across the windows, and magazines, life magazines, going back probably to the day one, and geographics going back into the previous century, and and just food boxes that were you know ancient, <laughs> and I mean wow. there were like pears. Soap. I mean, when when have you seen Pears soap? I mean, there were like pears wrappers. Soap? I don't even know what that is. I mean, it's like, I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, stuff that we haven't even heard of. Yeah, this I is mean, no problem that a good coat of fire wouldn't fix this house. Well, uh, just reverse, just a moment here. When you opened the back door, you had to go through a tunnel to get into this house? <laughs> More like a trench, I to, suspect. We kind of shoveled a, a way through that kind of, it still was, Propped up stuff over our heads. It was like creating a miner's tunnel to get back into where there was a hallway, and then continued down through the hallway. She had she had lived through a tunnel that basically connected her bedroom area to a bathroom. What about the and, kitchen? Did she not prepare food? She did not prepare um, food. She kept food in the bedroom uh-huh. and then had a that's nice she, i guess she used her window to get in and out that's the best we could figure wow. out wow and then there were all sorts of cat dishes and bowls and where the cats the live i mean 30 <laughs> cats where do, you, where do you put them in a oh, trench from here to they, there they were everywhere cats were, you gotta <laughs> think about it cats probably would have loved that you know how cats <laughs> love to go behind stuff and they go under the, you know under the bed and behind the couch I mean, the, the, with, a, with a pack rat's house, there's plenty of places to explore. I don't think there'd oh, be room gosh. for senior grouchy pants and, and some kind of a thing <laughs> like that. It was awesome. I mean, wow. it was like, this was just beyond believable. I mean, I've, it just, 
It was incredible. When you got to the corpse, where was it? It was in bed. It was in bed. And, and had, uh, had it been nibbled on by the kitty cats? Yeah, it it looked like it had been nibbled on a bit, and basically um, we covered it right up. What do you think her, her weight was? It was at, uh, we pulled it out with sheets. What, what, how much do you think she weighed when she pa- passed away? Oh, She wasn't a big woman to begin with, I don't think, but she didn't weigh hardly anything getting mm-hmm. her out. What was the bathroom uh, like? Did you go in there? I didn't go in there. I sort of looked in there, and it was a real mess. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't think the was, cleaning behind you know, her so list. I, all I wanted to do when I got out of that place was, like, get in a shower. I mean, it was so disgusting. <laughs> I bet. Who knows what sort of uh, diseases um, yeah, you so picked you, up you on. Thought, you know, what, virus and everything what did they do with this, uh, um, this house after her death? Do you know? I have not a clue, and I've often thought, you know, I should have followed that in the newspapers to see if there, you know, if this was like, you know, that crazy woman back at the turn of last century, like if she had millions of dollars mm-hmm. stocked away. And yeah. you know, there was, was probably something lived. valuable buried in all that garbage. Probably, but yeah, uh, I mean, you whoever bought it probably it. got and, some good deal out of it. And if she had children, I never found out that out. What the, what I did find out is that. Um, she was cremated, um, hmm. but that's basically because there wasn't anything else you could do with her. Did but. you have to actually take her out through the bedroom window? No, we took her back out the way we came in. I see. Um, so, she so was very. She was solid, <laughs> so to speak. Put it nicely. She was wow. Board. Um, so, so we kind of came right back out the way we came in, and then put her in the um, in the uh, hearse and took her off. Were, when you said ceiling to floor, you aren't exaggerating. I mean, I, you could not cram any more in there that I was. Aware How tall of. were the ceilings in this uh, little oh, slice of paradise? Eight or nine foot. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, normal house. Yeah. Not, it wasn't you know a, a big house. You know, it was an opulent like 12, place. No. Twelve foot ceilings, but we're we're talking a standard house, and uh, it was right up there. Wow. And the kitchen was unusable. I I never saw a kitchen sink or a refrigerator, though I'm sure they existed in there somewhere. <laughs> I wonder what, you know, she just buried. started packing stuff up in the kitchen and said, ah, I don't need to use this place anymore anyway. Yeah, you got to yeah. wonder. These what newspapers yeah. are more valuable than this. Amazing story. This refrigerator. <laughs> exactly. Robert. And I did see stuff stacked on, like, the, the kitchen table. Um, I did see a kitchen table, and there was, like, stuff stacked on top of that. Yep. They'll, um, they'll put it anywhere they can possibly put things. They'll yeah. just stack it up, and they yeah, that's how they are, and it's really disturbing. And, Robert, thank you for the story. Awesome Amazing story. You're very welcome. Uh, God, you, thank you for the call. 1-800-259-9231. Ceiling to floor. I told you. Packed I, full of stuff. I used to work as a uh, cab driver between radio gigs one, and one time, and I went into a house that wasn't too far removed from this. I mean, you could see she was right. on her way. She had the path going, yeah. and she had the stuff stacked up. It wasn't to the ceiling, and she still had use of her kitchen where the counters weren't covered in crap. You've got to wonder what goes through these people's minds. I mean, it's got to get to a point. It's like people that get to 700 pounds, you know, on their their person. How do you let it get that bad? More on the way. Hour number two is coming up. It is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com.
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the Packet8.net toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number two. It's in here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away. Once again, that site is freetalklive.com. We go right to the phones, to the fun, and to the amplifier line. Let's talk to Kurt in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Kurt. Hi, Ian. Hi, Mark. How are you tonight? Good, sir. Great. What's up? Well, I just want to tell you about a little uh, run-in I had with the uh, customs. Really? In, uh, in Yeah, my local border crossing. Uh, oh, I like I... to go over to Canada and go to the duty-free and purchase uh, uh, purchase my liquor there. It is substantially cheaper. Okay. Although the way the dollar is falling, it, that isn't really <laughs> too much so anymore. Hmm. But uh, And on my way back, of course, I always declare it. They asked me how long I've been in Canada. I said, well, a mere matter of minutes in order to be able to just turn around and hit the duty-free. Makes sense. And I do this I do this probably every three or four months. And um, so they, as normal, they had me pull over so I could pay my duty. But uh, this time I had to wait a little longer. And the first question they asked me was, do you do this often? I said, every three or four months. Mm-hmm. Then I saw the Explorer pull up with the dog. And they walked around my car with the dog, and although I didn't see it, they claimed that the dog sat down. What's that mean? Which an indication there's drugs in the car. So because a dog sits, <laughs> okay. You know, the drug-sniffing dog, you know, the sign that when they find something that they're trained to sniff out. They sit. So they... Huh. Uh, they hey, you know, my dog back. sits every time I pull on the leash. You don't have a dog, you liar. <laughs> well, my mother's got a dog, and you can train dogs to sit for anything. Yeah, that's the easiest thing to train a dog to do. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, we interrupted you. Go ahead. Well, they, when, when they called me in the back, they uh, they told me that uh, that they suspected that I had drugs in my car and asked me where they were. <laughs> and, of course, since I had no drugs in my car, I couldn't quite tell them where they were. Right. And, and if so you did, they, it'd be dumb to tell them if, where they were. That's, well, I mean, they're going to find it anyway if if I have it. If, if they've already suspected me at the border, they can tear your car apart, not even, you know. Right, they don't even point. have to say thank you or anything. Nope. They'll even rent you the tools to put it back together again. <laughs> but but uh, uh, so anyway, um, they, they, you know, they're telling you, if there's anything you need to tell me, you better tell me now. Right. That, that type of thing. Or because, else. Because why? <laughs> because I mean, there's at that. There's really no point, though, right. in telling them they're, they're not going to do be what they're going to do any nicer to you. I mean, sure. I suppose they're going to be less likely to tear your car apart. Are they? But uh, I don't know. probably. No, they're more likely to tear it apart then. Then they're sure they're going to find something. Right, because if they if you tell them, yeah, I've got some uh, cocaine in the side panel of my door, then they go and open up the side panel of the door. Sure enough, there's cocaine there. Then they've got reason to believe that there's cocaine in any other part of your car. So they might as well tear the, tear the whole thing apart. And even if they didn't, you ain't getting that car back regardless. Good point. So what ended so up then, happening? Well, they, 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 after a couple of minutes, I answered the questions that I, that I felt comfortable answering and didn't respond to any question I didn't want to respond to. Mm-hmm. And at, at some point about five minutes in, I made the comment that I think I'm going to stop talking now. And the, the head inquisitor, for lack of a better term, told me that I did not have the right to not speak because I was not under arrest. Wow. Now, that's ridiculous, though. I mean, 
<laughs> that person believes that you don't. They they would they would tell you that that you don't have you don't have the right to not answer questions simply because we haven't arrested you, sir. Yeah. The right to free speech means the right not, not to, to speak. speak. Yeah, I guess he doesn't understand. In in in, uh, in response to that, huh? Nothing. Just to prove that I could. That's good. <laughs> so. so uh, Basically, they, they, I mean, they tried to pull the good cop, bad cop. They had the, the female officer come over and say, you know, I worked narcotics for a long time, and things will go a lot easier if you just say, and we know you were only there for a couple of minutes. Who did you meet? And, and oh, what, my you know, God. Yeah. Now, what things are going to go a lot easier? <laughs> Them looking for drugs. That's the only thing that's going to be yeah, easier. It. It's going to make their job easier. Right. It's not going to be any easier for you. Whether they find the drugs with with your help or find the drugs without your help, not that there were any drugs because there weren't, but that just it just goes to show the tactics because you got, you were managed to walk away, you had no drugs. All they needed was a boat, a, uh, a rod and reel, and it had been a full fledged fishing expedition. Well, you're lucky um, they didn't bring their own fish to toss in the water. Mm, you mean well, coke? You know what? I was very scared about that. Yeah, sure, I sure. Was thinking, I was thinking to myself that I was I was I was representing somebody's promotion there. Yeah. Were you uh, in? Oh, did they pull you into a, an interrogation room? Were you separate from your vehicle at this point, or was this all happening all, oh, well, right outside your vehicle? You're automatically that because you need to go in and actually to to a counter to pay your duty. Because um, there is a duty on 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 goods coming in. Because like I said, you don't you, nothing is duty free until you stay 24 hours, and then there's another there's another uh, plateau at 72 hours. Huh. Now hold on. I, I wasn't trying to. Uh, you get the stuff um, cheaper at the duty-free shop, but then you pay the duty when you go through customs? Yes, but it's still less. Okay. Got it. I mean, there was a point in which, in, in, in Michigan here, uh, uh, a fifth of absolute is, is 35 bucks. Well, last year I was getting it for $11 over there and paying $2 duty. There you go. Makes sense. Okay, so uh, so then that, so you were already in the bureaucracy or in the building to pay the right. duty fee, and that's when they pulled you aside for this interrogation. After after they had after they had uh, had the dog go around in around my car. So the the good cop comes out. She says, "Make we're going to make this easier on you if you just talk." What was your response there? How did it go from there? I I said nothing. I said I said absolutely. Anytime they brought up anything like that, I said absolutely nothing. Okay. Um, they asked me where I worked. I told them. They asked me, you know, do you have to be at work tomorrow? I said yes. They said, well, you know, you know, if if they said. You can't go and tell the interrogation, until the, the um, interview is what they called it. You can't go until the interview is over. And the interview isn't over until you answer our question. Wow. You know, so they're, they're trying to use, they're doing whatever they can to pressure you into, uh, sure you know, go ahead, just confess, and you can still be at work tomorrow. Earn, <laughs> earn money to feed your family. I'm a Ridiculous. very strong individual. I don't bite on stuff like that. Good for you. I, uh, so basically... Uh, they they told me that they had separated the seams on my seat, not not, not cut the, the thread, but they kind of opened them up, uh -huh. and they, they claimed to have found a marijuana residue, and they were going to go get some tape and extract it and test it, and then, well, I mean, I would lose my car, I would be arrested, and what have you, and they were they were presenting these prospects to me. Oh, my god! Now, can they do this with marijuana residue? Apparently so. Well, I mean, they can do whatever they want to do, because they Either are... Either that or they were lying. Beaner. What's that? They can do it with a beaner. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. They can do it with a beaner. A beaner? Yeah, a, a marijuana seed. So oh, a seed, yeah, yeah. So with a seed, they can... Uh, uh, maybe would, they can. By the way, would there have been any chance that there was a marijuana seed in your car? No. 
What's that? No? Okay. All right. So so they claim to have found marijuana residue. Do you think they were doing that just to scare you into saying, okay, okay, I'll tell you where the well, drugs I, are? I, I looked. I looked after I left. I looked into it, and there was there was dust and dirt and fragments of this and that that they may have well mistaken, you know, for it. But and maybe they would have thought that, well, hey, this guy does smoke. We got nothing on him. But if we could just get him to say that, mm-hmm. then so, his his. His rights are gone. So then what happened after they uh, they uh, they uh, confronted you with this marijuana residue uh, allegation? What happened then? Well, that, uh, not not 10 seconds after the the lady said that she was going to get a piece of tape and extract it, the head inquisitor told me I could go. Amazing. Not, I mean, it's already, they had already frisked me. I mean, frisked I, you. I've never been frisked before. Oh, yeah, I've never been frisked before. But they, I mean, up each leg. They, they grabbed my crotch, asked me if I was cracking anything, all, all through the crack, everything. They wow. made me open my pants so they could see inside that there were no compartments. It's good to live in a you free know, country, they, isn't it, Kurt? I, I love the freedoms we have. I'm, I, my, my wife tells me she's never going to move to New Hampshire, and I won't go without her because I love her. But I, will, I, I, still, I still fight, and I'll still amp. Very I'll good, like Kurt. Crazy. Wow, thank you for the story, and uh, let us know if anything else happens at the border. Just an amazing story, Kurt. Thank you for the call, 1-800-259-9231. You know, they can do anything they want, even to Americans at the border. They really they can. can do just pretty much anything they want there. And now you've got an extra hoop to jump through. If you're coming back from Canada or from Mexico, you have to show a passport on the way back into the country, or some other, there's another acceptable form, but you, you're going to have to show more identification than you ever have in the past. More on the way. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Shrine of Female listeners await you. Oh, dozens and dozens of ladies have taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove that they're a listener to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, attaining economic and personal freedoms in America's freest state. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, will be held convention-style in historic Concord, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. For more information and to get registered, that is freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Let's go to the email box, Mark. This one from Brian. He says, guys, I'm terribly behind on listening to the podcast, so bear with me. I'm listening to a uh, episode from January where you focus on the health insurance silliness. And I have a story you can read on the air if you like. Wayne mentioned a health savings account, and I'm with you on that. First, let me say I built a couple companies over the past 20 years. I left California in 1992 because I saw socialism on the march. As I built my first company in Colorado, the sole limit to growth has been the ceiling that I hit before falling under some governmental edict. Mm. Turns out, there are certain requirements that kick in when you have 20 employees, and even more requirements kick in when you have 50. At 20, there are lots of reporting requirements in a mandate for a parental leave policy. I held my nose tight and hired my 20th employee, a human resources specialist, I needed her to fill out all the forms that were required by the government. I, now, that's that's a drain of um, fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year off that um, that person's bottom line just to hire this person so they can fill out all the paperwork and meet all the mandates that the government has put in place for them to have twenty one employees. 
It's true. In fact, he needed her to fill out the forms. He actually had to choose between this totally non-productive person and a billable consultant. And then I had to pay attention not just to the person's qualifications, but to their fertility and current pregnancy status. I even had to figure out if a man had a wife who was pregnant or wanted to be pregnant because the law said that he could take time off if his wife was in a family way. Hmm. Of course, because of discrimination laws, this is entirely illegal. I can't ask direct questions. No. Like, so, going to get pregnant this year? Can't do that. <laughs> Are you married? Can't do that either, I guess. Are you and your wife considering having children? So I must spend my time interviewing trying to decide first if this person can help me advance the success of my company. But I also needed to figure out through innuendo and non-direct questions if there was a bun in the oven or on the way. Hey, so all you people that are sterile and single and all those things, be sure to mention that in an interview. Ooh, good point. Yeah, it, it makes you that a little, a little bit more valuable. So he would say things like, so you just bought a house, huh? Wonder why you and your wife would need four bedrooms. So I tended to hire older, more experienced workers who cost me a lot more in salary, but they were pretty safe from a baby standpoint. Here comes the insurance part. Older workers meant my insurance went up. Yeah. I provided insurance to my workers not because I thought that it was my duty, but because there's an inherent belief that one of the reasons you work for a company is because of benefits. And at the point my insurance topped $650 a month for each employee. I was ready for a change. Wow, that's incredible. Of course, they saw it as a right, and they didn't care that it was costing me almost $8,000 a year for each one of them, in addition to their salary and the 8% matching federal and state retirement taxes. So the $50,000 a year worker who cost me $62,000 right. couldn't figure out why I didn't think he was worth 55000 I thought he was, of course, but he didn't see my pain. A couple of years ago... The health savings account was approved by our overlords in Washington. While it still sucks, it does provide some control over your own health care. I immediately adopted this, got rid of the health insurance or the health the insurance benefit, and gave my employees an average of six thousand dollars a year more salary. We also helped them set up their own health savings account, which cost them an average of two hundred and fifty dollars a month for what I was paying six hundred for. Nice. They can take pre-tax money and put it in this account to pay for any medical procedure, even those not covered by insurance, such as laser eye surgery or uh, breast implants. The good thing about this is that it grows from year to year, and it's not spent, if it's not spent. And you can invest it just like a retirement account. Right. It's in your name, so it follows you if you go to another company. The catch is that the insurance kicks in at $2,500 for individuals and 5000 for families. That's the deductible. Uh, the $250 a month was for so-called catastrophic coverage. So when they went to the doctor, they had to pay the full amount unless or until, rather, their cost for the year got to 2500 or 5000 But it creates the comfort of knowing that you won't be destroyed by a catastrophic illness. If you save properly, you'll have the 2500 in your savings account. So even the worst medical emergency won't take any money out of your monthly budget. Sounds like a good idea to me. I think I agree. I think the health savings accounts are a good idea. It's definitely something I'm going to look into personally. So now each employee is responsible for their own health care. And they have to pay when they go to the doctor for sniffles. A funny thing happened at that point, Mark. I'll bet. I'll bet people stopped going to the uh, doctor uh, quite so often. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, everyone got more healthy. It was common for people to skip out of work for a couple of hours to go to the doctor when all they had to pay was the $5 copay. Mm. But when they had to pay a $60 office visit, they tended to go to the drugstore instead and get cough and cold medicine to get through their cold. By the way, 
The $60 office visit was a cash payment to the doctor. He charges insurance companies $95 for that same visit. I did lose a couple employees because they thought that health care was a right that they were entitled to as an employee. Sadly, these were the younger ones who have been indoctrinated by the socialist system to believe such things. So my company got out of the health care business. And that will change Colorado. Uh, that will change if Colorado enacts the kind of system that Massachusetts has, and that California will. That's why I'm moving this ship to New Hampshire. Wow, picking but, up and moving to New Hampshire. By the way, Wayne was right on with his assertion that by the government owning your body, you'll take worse care of yourself, even unconsciously. I guess it's covered under Aristotle's tragedy of the commons. Although you would think that we would take better care of ourselves than that, but when your body's owned by the government, it's common property. Sad. Yeah. From Brian in Colorado. Great email. You might as well smoke because somebody else is going to be paying for that surgery to, uh, you know, the cancer treatment and all that stuff. That's that's the mentality. And maybe I might as well be fat and get diabetes. Who cares? I'm not going to pay for it. I I guess it's conscious to an extent, but I think to a large extent, it's also just unconscious to say subconscious decision of whatever. Well, you know, who cares? People are connected in families and that kind of thing. And even if I feel destructive for myself, Mm -hmm. Um, it's one thing if, you know, everybody, everybody has to pay for, for it. It's another thing if I'm going to be taking money out of my wife's pocket that she could be having in the long run if I didn't spend it up in the, you know, in some kind of debilitating illness. I think it's a, I think Brian's email is excellent because it's, it's a real life example of how people's, how when you change the incentives for people, their entire behavior changes. Mm-hmm. And so we've had this story from Brian. We had the story about Thanksgiving, where they changed the uh, the incentives for the the colonists back in the day. They changed it from a communistic system to a capitalistic, uh, more market based system. The incentives changed. The people changed. Which is why I say when we when we're talking about, um, for instance, ending a government bureaucracy and replacing it with some sort of voluntary alternative, it's why I say that bureaucrats don't have to be useless. And that according to John Stossel, his report, um, some, some of the reports he's done, that when bureaucracies are transferred over to essentially a private organization, the bureaucrats all of a sudden get productive. It's because they're not incentivized in, um, when they're in bureaucratic work or they're incentivized in the opposite direction. And so therefore they do what it is they're incentivized to do. That's so, how humans are. So it's not necessarily that they're bad people or that they're inherently lazy. It's just that they don't have the incentive. 1-800-259-9231. More is on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, and that includes archives and entire year's worth of the show awaiting you right on the front page. You just go and download. Click and download. In fact, sign up for the podcast as well while you're at it. Uh, because those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for their archives, and we do it for free at freetalklive.com. Does your company have a bunch of unpaid receivables just sitting out there? Try SACL CAI. They do collections in a whole new way. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. They record every customer interaction so you can check their work. Let SACL CAI handle any or all of your accounts receivable needs. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call one 800 544 
800-259-9232-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. 1-800-259-9231, the toll-free number. You take control. Bring up anything. Let's go to the phones. Eddie in Georgia, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Eddie. Yeah, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind? Good. Uh, you're talking about um, the government being inefficient, you know, bureaucratic or however you want to do it. That's the government. That's yep. what we do every night. <laughs> okay, now, I want to know something. Sure. Uh, have you had Mr. Ed Brown on your radio show? Yep, we sure have. You have. What do you think of it? Uh, he's a very nice man. I've met him personally. Aside from that. I think he's very brave. Uh, you don't think he's right in doing what he's doing? Absolutely I do. What else is he? He's got no other choice. I mean, he's uh, he's backed into a corner. You were talking about Ed Brown. He's the man that's being persecuted by the federal government for uh, for not paying taxes for about a decade's time. He tried to get in touch with them and uh, and discuss the issue with the IRS. They didn't want to talk to him. And then he tried to present a defense at his trial. The judge didn't want to hear his defense, or at least the exact yeah, defense did, he did wanted you know to present. What, did you know what the judge said? Which, which part? I don't know. When, when he tried to present his defense? You'll, you tell me. There is, there is no law in my court. No, that was the Irwin Schiff trial, not the yeah, Ed Brown. And also, also, they tried it on him. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, the reason I called is... is 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 it getting much publicity up there in New Hampshire? I don't know. Which, I mean, what would you consider much publicity? He's had some articles in, I think, probably most all of the major New Hampshire newspapers. I know uh, WMUR Channel 9 in Manchester has covered the story. I don't know if they, you know, they're not covering it every day, if that's what you would consider much. But he's yeah, getting I'd like, some coverage. I'd like to see more, but... Um, but at this know. point, there's not much else to say. I mean, the coverage, yeah. the, the coverage, yeah, the bulk no, no, of the coverage. Right. No, I, I agree with you. But, but you know, it, it's funny. Down here, we had a, a local minister that, that was on the local radio station down here. Mm-hmm. And he was telling how there was 300,000 people that gathered in Washington, D.C. to pr- protest the abortions. And not a word of it was on the, was on the mainstream news. Not a word of it. Mm. It was a complete blackout. Hard he to said imagine. He didn't realize until then how the news is being manipulated. Well, up here, when Ed Brown uh, had decided to not go to court, that got him some press. And then when he decided to not come back to court and decided to essentially stay in his home and basically told the feds, look, you come after me, I'm going to shoot you, that got him some press. But now it's basically a waiting game. You know, the, the, the question is, when are the feds going to go in? I expect he'll get some more press at that time, but I would say it's probably dropped off a bit at this point. Yeah, but, you know, I haven't heard anyone ask the question, why has he said that he does not want to uh, pay, pay the – he does not want to uh, acknowledge the, the income tax? Uh, nobody is, is addressing that question. When you say nobody's nobody. addressing it, what, what do you mean? Nobody is addressing – the reason for him and the stand, the reason for the for the stand that he took. Well, well they're they're saying they're they're sort of repeating some of the things he's saying. They're saying that he you know he doesn't see that uh, that there's a law that requires him to pay. Many of them act like they don't agree with it. I mean, but we've certainly reported it several many nights. Yeah. Well. Okay. I'm, I, because. I listen to you guys a lot, but mm-hmm. I must, must have missed a part where you had Ed Brown on. But yeah, we actually go. If you go to our guest page at guests.freetalklive.com, the archive is right there. You can grab it and listen to it at your leisure. In fact, I actually went over to Ed's house uh, the last weekend, spent some time there. Eddie, thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231 is the packet8.net toll-free line for you. I like seeing people take interest in that uh, particular case. 
more people uh, act like Ed Brown, and we won't have an income tax. It's true. He's the only man who's had the courage to do this in, gosh, who knows how long. I hope he lives through it. I, I really do as well. I hope he um, lives and retains his freedom, because that's what's most important to him. Only time will tell, and we'll keep you up to date with the situation as it develops. 800-259-9231 to Benjamin Powell uh, and an article about Somalia. You know, that African country that the United States just uh, carpet bombed the other day. <laughs> we, don't like the, we don't like the fact that they don't have a government. It bothers us. Well, I like that. In fact, that's what this article is all about. I meant the United States government. Somalia, uh, yeah, well, okay, I'm not we. Uh, we're not the United States government. Speak for yourself. You I've been, are? I've been paid off by the Jewish Zionist conspiracy. <laughs> I've got my card right here. Somali anarchy is more orderly than Somali government. Say Somalia <laughs> to most. That's true. <laughs> say Somalia to most Americans, and they'll likely have visions of civil war and chaos. While accurate in the early 1990s, these visions have not been the actual situation in Somalia for most of the last decade. Unfortunately, because of yet another international attempt to install a Somali government, these visions are again becoming increasingly accurate. Right, because once they start talking about a government, then, then everybody wants to be in charge. But right. right now, things have gotten to, you know, they've sort of met their uh, level. Well, you say right now, but now, right now, things are changing. That's now true. They're, now is, another, is the next push for a new government. Uh, so there was a lull for about a decade there. Somalia has been without a national government since 1991, when dictator Siad Bar was ousted from power. Somalia plunged into a civil war as rival factions attempted to, inst- uh, to establish a new government. Interventions by the United States and the U.N. tended to unite the Somalis against the outsiders, resulting in the flame, uh, famous Black Hawk Down episode, and ultimately the withdrawal of U.S. and U.N. forces. Once the U.N. withdrew... The outsiders being the U.N. and the U.S. Right. A relative peace developed in Somalia. Crime and violence persisted, but not at the level seen during the civil war. Crime and violence go on the United States. It's true. Various claims. I mean, governments can't claim to uh, eradicate crime and violence. They can claim to, uh, you know, do something about it. They could claim that, but actually one could make the argument that the government police need to have crime in order to justify their existence. I don't know whether that's so. I mean, that would, it would, we had crime before we had government police. Various clan elders, warlords, and Islamic courts. I didn't say I would make the argument. I no. Someone could. <laughs> so, someone could. Various clan elders, warlords, there and There was Islam- a guy on earlier talking about uh, the black helicopters yeah. and the DEA chasing him down. With so. RF rays. Uh, <laughs> and the Islamic courts had power, but none were strong enough to impose themselves as the new government. And most of the fighting stopped. Once this relative peace was achieved, the Somalis began to order their affairs and adapt their institutions to provide governance, even though they lacked a government. Most of the order was provided by Somalia's customary legal code, the Zir, which was interpreted by clan elders and informally enforced, mainly through ostracism. Islamic courts existed. You know, we had common law before we had courts here in the United States. I mean, mm-hmm. common law is something that it's it's pretty much true for all cultures. Cultures really understand what's right and what's wrong, at least for them. Um, sure. th- there's going to be some weird stuff involved, usually having to do with sex and that kind of thing. But right. Islamic courts existed, but most had little influence. Islamic law was reserved mostly for matters of divorce and inheritance, while the common law covered everything else. Although Somalia is still poor, the ordered anarchy that has existed since the mid-1990s has actually translated into improved living standards. In conducting research for a new study compa- uh, comparing Somalia's economy relative to 42 other African countries, my co-authors and I examined 13 different measures, including life expectancy, immunization and disease rates, access to various telecommunications, and access to water and sanitation. In 2005, Somalia ranked in the top 50% in six 
of our 13 measures and ranked near the bottom in only three, infant mortality, immunization rates, and access to improved water sources. This compares favorably with circumstances in 1990, when Somalia last had a government and was ranked in the bottom 50% for all seven of the measures for which we had that year's data. Death rate, infant mortality, life expectancy, main telephone lines, tuberculosis, and immunization for measles and DTP. Furthermore, we found that during the last years of Somalia's government in 1985 to 1990, their performance was deteriorating compared to other African nations as their relative ranking fell in five of those measures. Since their government's collapse, Somalia has seen its relative ranking improve in four of these measures and deteriorate in only one, infant mortality. A little bit more on the way at 800-259-9231 about some of the successes of Somali anarchy. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The Packet8.net toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com, place to go. All of the features you'll find there are on the house, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by, for instance, becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. If you head over to amp.freetalklive.com, that's where you can get signed up for the program. There's over 300 of our listeners that have become Free Talk Live amplifiers for as little as 3 bucks a month. And again, it's completely voluntary. You've got access to all the website functions right up front. So this is in addition to that. Now, there are a few perks involved, like access to the amplifier-only call-in lines, uh, also access to the amplifier-only forum, and more. And inside the forum, there's a few perks as well. Like, I think somewhere in there, there's a picture of you from high school with, like, a mohawk haircut or something like that. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's there's, been a while since I've seen it. Oh, boy. But so little things like that. Uh, so we try to um, spice it up. But basically, the, the point behind the AMP program is to get people to support the show in, in that AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. So that $3 that comes in from you, we take it and turn it around into promoting Free Talk Live to getting the show on more radio stations around the country to getting more Internet listeners on board with the show as well. And the fact is, it works. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com to get signed up today. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Talking about Somalia and its lack for the past, about the past decade. Now things are starting to change. Now there's another unified effort to foist a government on the Somali people. But for a long time, they actually didn't have uh, any sort of semblance of government. In Somalia. And so Benjamin Powell at uh, The Independent, at uh, independent.org, did a study. Uh, he and his colleagues took a look at some statistics from during the time when Somalia had no government compared to back when Somalia did have a government. And as it turns out, Somalia has had its rankings improve in many of the areas uh, that they measured and deteriorated in only one, which was infant mortality. Perhaps most impressive is Somalia's change in life expectancy. During the last five years of government rule, life expectancy fell by two years. But since the state collapse, it has actually increased by five years. Only three after that. I think that's a pretty significant increase for a decade's time. It's interesting that they have uh, higher infant mortality, but people live longer. Only three hmm. African countries, Guinea, Gambia, and Rwanda, can claim a bigger improvement. Telecommunications is another major area of success. With a variety of companies operating without burdensome government regulation, Somalia ranks high among African countries in number of phone lines, mobile phone usage, and access to the Internet. According to The Economist, a mobile phone call in Somalia is, quote, generally cheaper and clearer than a call from anywhere else in Africa. 
In fact, the ordered anarchy in Somalia attracted multinational corporations to the company. Coca-Cola, Dole, DHL, and affiliates of General Motors and British Airways, among others, began making investments in Somalia. Unfortunately, recent international efforts at establishing a new government in Somalia are likely to ruin what little economic progress the country has made. In 2004, the transitional federal government, TFG, was created in exile with UN backing. In February of 2006, it entered Somalia and so far controls only the town of Beidoa. The Somalis, again, have united against this attempt by outsiders to force a government on them. Unfortunately, the result has been an increase in the power of the Union of Islamic Courts, who since June has gained control over much of uh, southern Somalia, including the former capital Mogadishu. An estimated 600 militias have joined the UIC since the TFG moved into Baidoa in February. Every government of Somalia has exploited the country's population. International meddling created the TFG, and unintentionally, the more powerful UIC. If either group were to, come, uh, were to become a true government, the population likely will once again become oppressed. In the meantime, the two groups appear headed back into civil war, which will likely result in the kind of chaos the country hasn't experienced since 1995. Prime Minister Getty of the TFG recently said, quote, It's totally misguided not to accept the government. The alternative is chaos. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's got it exactly backwards. It is, in fact, the attempts to impose a government on Somalia that are creating the chaos. 800-259-9231. Your it's thoughts? interesting. You know, I, I think that this is sort of what happened in Haiti. I'm not saying that there were any uh, great things that uh, occurred as a result of uh, Haiti mm-hmm. pretty much not having a government, but... From what I understand, Haiti uh, existed in, in a semi-state of anarchy for quite some time and may very well still be there. I don't know if you can have a semi-state of anarchy, Mark. Well, um, supposedly they didn't have a, an elected government. A government just because period. it wasn't elected doesn't mean I, they I don't just, have one. You know, that's what I was told. I don't know. Um, I, I can't tell you for sure. I haven't researched Haiti or anything like that, but I know that... You know, the the one government fell apart, and there's really nothing there to replace it. I'd be interested to see somebody who actually did do the research that could explain what you're looking at here. 800 or what you're thinking about. I was, I was there in 2002, I think, and didn't seem terrible to me. Well, it was terrible. Didn't seem uh, chaotic. Right. Well, it's not going to rise from the ashes immediately. It'll probably take time for something to happen. But oh, it's like the poorest country in the Western yeah. Hemisphere. Too. 800-259-9231, and it's poor because it was under the dictatorial control of, uh, was it, Airsteed? Who was it? Yeah, John Paul Airsteed. Yeah. Uh, all right, to, let's go to Gillart in Kingston, Jamaica. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Gillart. Yes, how are you doing? Great. Hey, good. What's I, on your I, mind? Yes, uh, listen, we recently had a peace concert here in Jamaica to mm-hmm. support um, to support the stopping of troops, sending troops to the Iraqi war. Mm-hmm. Is Jamaica are, sending troops? No, they are not sending troops. So they were keeping a concert to support or rather uh, uh, lend their support or their voices mm-hmm. to the not to that to support that uh, um, that notion of not sending more troops. Excellent. Bring recognition Somebody, to the anti-war I don't know, movement. Some, it was a group from the U.S. that that had the the concert. I just want to know how effective. Well, the concert has passed, and I'm wondering how effective is such support. Um, is it meaningful? Uh, Lending our voices to your causes and not sending troops there. Is it meaningful by keeping a concert? I think it makes people feel good. It makes people feel like they're doing something. I don't know if, I mean, J- Jamaica is, is still a British territory, correct? No. Right. Yeah, that's what I thought. It is a British territory. And, well, it was well attended. So it was I, well attended. I don't know if Tony Blair or the uh, the Brit uh, the British guys over in, uh, in uh, the United Kingdom are paying much attention 
to uh, essentially a concert in Jamaica, and I don't think they would pay attention to a concert in their own country either. I think it's just really more to make the make people feel good and feel I like they're doing something. I think it brings some recognition to the the idea, and and you know these things they get turned around little by little. It's, it's better than doing nothing. That's I, for I sure. would agree. I, I can't. It's right. hard to say. You know, it's hard to say what effect they will have or what effect it will have. Maybe it'll have an effect on the individuals who attended the concert to invigorate them to get out there and do more on their own, to invigorate them to uh, contact their representatives or or get active, whereas they might not have uh, done before. But then again, you are also talking about people who attend concerts, and uh, you know, I don't know if they're really too active. I, I think overall it heightens the consciousness for peace. I can't. Peace, it, you know? it can't be a bad thing, right? I mean, the music right. was probably pretty good too. Oh, oh, it was lovely. It was superb. Now, uh, one last thing. I just already yeah. mentioned Haiti a while ago, and just in the news a short while ago, we had a few Haitians. Uh, well, that one Haitian who was tracked by our current crime crime investigation. Mm-hmm. They caught them smuggling, preparing ganja for export to Haiti. Dear God, so smuggling quite, ganja quite, to Haiti? They you, they right. can't grow it in Haiti. There's a there's there no there's a current Ganja for guns program going on running between Haiti and Jamaica. Now wait a minute. Tightening, so Haiti has or, guns to give for for weed? Oh my, Haiti has guns. The, the fishermen from Jamaica are loading their boats with with ganja, sailing to Haiti, hmm. exchanging the ganja for guns, and coming back to Jamaica with it, and um, creating havoc here, man. They're reaping havoc with those guns. Now why is and, it that Jamaica hasn't legalized marijuana yet? What's going on with that? <laughs> well. Uh, well, our parliament doesn't want to do that, and um, it's a strong arm. It, it, it's somewhat impacted by the strong arm of the U.S. The U.S. will, you know, they they somewhat. They, they, our parliament, I think, feels threatened by the U.S. I they, believe they, it because last year when Mexico was talking about legalizing just small amounts, the United States jumped all over them. The United States government. So yeah, I definitely believe that. It's a shame. Uh, it's right. too bad that that uh, your parliament won't uh, won't stand up to the United States and tell them right. to go flip and off. Right, and if they outlaw that, if they outlaw it, the marijuana, maybe they won't have to export it. Wait, wait, if they who outlawed it? I mean, if if they make it, I mean, if they make the, if they legalize it rather, um, there wouldn't be any 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 there wouldn't be any financial gain to be exporting it. Eh? Well, you would still be, you would still gain from uh, exporting it to countries where it was illegal. But if all countries made it legal, then well, uh, yes, the black market would be destroyed, and the criminal element right. would uh, would have to deal in guns and uh, and other drugs, which of course they and would do. Not, we're not talking. We're not talking light guns. They're getting. They're bringing in AK-47s. Yeah, and, I just rifles. bought one of those myself. <laughs> and boy, it does wreak havoc in here because they end up, and some of it is leaking into our um, into Montego Bay. Is it uh, is it illegal to own guns in Jamaica? No, it's not. It's not. Okay. So um, is it illegal to own AK-47s or just uh, no, no? This it, it, it's it's a it's illegal illegal. These these guns are brought in illegally. It, okay, so it's illegal to it, it's illegal to go around the rules to go around the laws around guns. I see where you're coming from. Hey, right. hey, Gillard, great call. Yes. Thank you for making it a first yes, call ever. From, you're our first caller ever from Jamaica in the history of the show. Oh, really? So hopefully. Well, we'll, it, it, You've got thanks for the internet. I just say we're talking about Somalia, about internet access, and we're, I'm calling you actually through via the internet. Awesome, Gillard. Give us another call sometime. Love the accent. No thanks problem. for the call, man. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That internet is an amazing thing. That's Thank off- you, Al Gore. That's- Thank you, Al Gore. <laughs> That's authentic accent. Hour number three oh, yeah. is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com.
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. And it is the Packet8.net toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. Once again, that's 800-259-9231. You can uh, bring up whatever's on your mind. That's why we call the show Free Talk Live. All the features on our website, by the way, are totally free. That is freetalklive.com. freetalklive.com. So to the phones, to the fun we go. It's Brandon in Japan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Brandon. How you guys doing? Good, sir. Good. What's on your mind? Hey, not too much. Two things on my mind. Uh, the first thing that's on my mind is uh, I do try to keep track of uh, the news that's still going on in America. And I came across a story this morning that says that our new uh, chief of, or our new secretary of defense has made a Uh-oh. That's not going to work too well. Contrary to Brandon, Iraq. you've got a problem. I'm going to put you on hold. Yeah. And I'll explain what I think your problem is here uh, offline. I think I know what the, his problem is. It's uh, VoIP line. Mm-hmm. He's got way too much uh, uploading going on on his uh, on his connection. Uh, we'll get back to Brandon here in a moment, but let's jump into the email box here first. Dear Ian and Mark from Bree, she says, I'm writing in response to the blog post read on January 23rd. She's talking about Fran. Now, remember, Mark, it was at the beginning of this week that we uh, read an email from a guy named Fran. He mm-hmm. was critiquing us, critiquing me, and I guess you by, by proxy. Uh, but I think I got called a coward. It was over the uh, the Ed Brown situation. As we uh, recapped last hour, Ed Brown being persecuted by the feds for not paying taxes for about a decade. He's holed up in his home in Plainfield, New Hampshire, essentially telling the feds, you come and get me, because uh, if you do try and come and get me, I'm going to shoot. Because I don't want to go to jail, and I've not harmed, I'm not harmed anyone, never hurt anybody. And so that's the situation there. I went up over last weekend to visit Ed, to meet him, and uh, show my support for him. And when I came back and talked about it, I had talked about how I was a little bit concerned, considering that my roommate went up with me. There was a whole group of us that, that went up from Keene, New Hampshire, all the way up to Plainfield. Uh, about five of us went together, and one of them was my roommate, and he was planning on bringing a firearm, and I just, I mentioned on the air that I was concerned over that, because I thought that, uh, you know, bringing a firearm would, uh, might possibly make it a little more likely for you to possibly perish if there were a federal the, raid. escalates the level of uh, potential violence. Right, and uh, so I was just concerned. I didn't want to see the roommate, my roommate die, because I like him, and he's a very valuable um, activist in the, the pro-freedom movement up here mm-hmm. in New Hampshire. And... Fran jumped down my throat for that. He was angry that I didn't bring a firearm. He was angry that I was concerned about him bringing a firearm. His basic position was that, uh, you know what, we don't need friends like you. And this is just my interpretation. It's not exactly what he said. But, you know, we don't need people like you in the liberty movement. You're just a... The the title of the post was Libertarian Gas Bags. Mm -hmm. That's like as though all we do is talk. So because... It is our job. Well, that is our job, but I actually did show up at Ed Brown's house, so that's far more than talking. That's putting myself in harm's way, even though I didn't have a gun. And I was well aware that even though I was uh, on Ed's property without arms, I was well aware of the chance that they might just shoot me anyway. Walk in front of a window, there's a sniper out there, he might just take the shot. There's a chance that I could have gotten shot anyway. Absolutely. And so Fran just jumped all over us for it, saying that, oh, this is a fundamental difference between the Easterners and the Westerners. And, uh, you know, you should have gone there and you should have defended Ed with arms. And you're a coward for not doing so. 
Well, Bree's responding. She says, Fran is frankly an embarrassment to Westerners. I am born and a bred, uh, born and bred Westerner, born in New Mexico, raised in Idaho, and I wanted to say that I don't believe that any group of people love their guns more than any other. I'm a huge fan of the Second Amendment, though I don't own any, um, don't, though I don't own any firearms since I'm in college and have to surrender any firearms I have as long as I'm on campus. The notion that Westerners are better than Easterners is a load of idiocy. I'm currently a friend of the Free State Project since I'm in college and want to finish school in Idaho. I love what the, by the way, if you're going to join the Free State, I mean, if you, if you're going to go to New Hampshire, then join as a member of the Free State Project. There's no time limit. There there. really isn't. I mean, you've got five years after we, um, the Free State Project reaches 20,000. It's it's only at 7,000 plus at this point. And God knows when that's going to happen. I mean, you might as well just go ahead and sign up. That way they know that you're coming and, and, uh, people have, we're, you're helping to reach the goal more quickly. Right, that number will tick up one more if you actually join as a... As a Don't join the day before you move. That that just really sort of defeats the purpose. Exactly. The notion that uh, Westerners are... Okay. She says, I love what the Free State Project stands for, and I have every intention of moving there after I graduate in 2010. Three of the states considered in the final vote were in the Intermountain West, Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming. The governor of Montana told the Free State Project that Idaho would be a better choice for the Free State. <laughs> and the governor of Idaho, Dirk Kempthorne, told the Free State Project to go elsewhere, which she says in his embarrassment to this proud Idahoan. Both Wyoming and Montana lack vital infrastructure. I know. I've extensively, tra- uh, extensively traveled in both states, she says. And Wyoming has a big, fat socialist problem called Jackson Hole. The West was unsuitable for the Free State Project, and New Hampshire was the best choice. I've heard nothing about a Free West or Free State West project, and I'm more than ready to pack my bags and move to New Hampshire once I have a sheepskin in my hand. People like Fran help perpetuate the myth that people who live in the Idaho, Montana, Wyoming area are all a bunch of whack jobs. Ridiculous. Thanks for bringing such a great show to the airwaves. I recommend to, uh, recommend you to anyone who will listen. Those you can imagine, the message of small government and liberty isn't a popular one in a socialist, statist environment like a college. From Bree. Now, I read Fran's response to our response. Um, on yeah. The, the, I, I, it's long and, and uh, basically... Very long. He reberates us and, um, you know, I mean, it makes some, he makes some points in what he's saying, and then, but he also softens his position quite a bit at the same time. And he also ignored a number of the points that I, that I made as well, just glossed, uh, glossed over them. In fact, I actually have a, a different response. You're talking about the lengthy response where Fran actually took what we said on the air and uh, sort of broke it down sentence by sentence. He actually sent me a personal response, and so that's the one I'm going to share with you on the air. He says, Ian, I saw this message the other night, and something about it struck me odd. I just reread it and find it very amusing. You state, quote, If I'm lying dead in a pool of blood, our 20 radio affiliates and thousands of listeners would have nothing to listen to that would get them excited about liberty, unquote. That is what I wrote in an email responding. When I, I, I just wrote a private email responding to this whole hullabaloo. Sure, you know. He says, are you kidding me? If you're getting shot for the crime of, of legally carrying a weapon to a friend's home who's accused of a crime, wouldn't get your listeners excited? Then you might as well pack it in. That's good radio. That might even excite your <laughs> non-listeners. Can you believe this guy? No, it's nutty. It's, it's nutty. It's not going to result in anything worth doing. Um, you know, it, you're just going to be another one of these people. How about the people out at Ruby Ridge? Is really is America up in arms about Ruby Ridge? No, 
No. I mean, uh, how many government buildings but were Ruby, stormed were... by people with torches and pitchforks? You know, if you go on there, you've escalated the level of potential violence. It'd be one thing if they went in there, if the feds went in there and shot the place up with a bunch of unarmed people. Mm -hmm. But you can paint a hell of a different story when the feds go in there and shoot up the place and a bunch right. of people with uh, AK-47s. I mean, at that point, you've got a war on your hands, and the American people want the American government to win wars. People actually would have gotten more excited by me being shot with no weapon oh, if absolutely. I didn't have a weapon that's, in that's my a, hand. That's a whole different story. Right. So actually the way I went probably would have been the best way if I had gotten shot. Um, me having a video camera in my hands mm -hmm. would have been a whole different story, which is what I had. Video so, cameras is the way to go on here this. Here he is again, again, Mark, agitating for me to go and get shot so I could excite my listeners. Would, I mean, Fran, get out there and get shot yourself, buddy. Get the get the get the fifty cal. Head on up here to New Hampshire. Sign up for the Free State Project while you're at it, and come on up and start a war, baby. <laughs> start it. There's uh, there's no doubt. There's people up there that want to start a war in Plainfield. There's no doubt in my mind that if Free Talk Live hosts were to be taken out by the government in whatever situation. You know, whether they come in here and raid the studio or attack the Ed Brown household while I happen to be there, whatever the situation would be, there's no doubt that that would probably propel Free Talk Live into a prominence that it has never had in the past. I mean, that, that, would, that would elevate the status of the show beyond anything that we've ever experienced. It would make us, you know, as Obi-Wan said in Star Wars, <laughs> uh, you know, essentially stronger than we could ever possibly be in life. So... That's not necessarily it's not necessarily a bad idea, but I don't want to die right now, and not at this point. Who's going to host the show? Right. Really? I mean, who you? has the right? I really, I, I, you know, I could host a show, but I am not a national level talent. Want to come back with more? Not this today. is your show. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, we give them away. And that does include the wiki. It's like the listener editable version of the website, wiki.freetalklive.com. Like everything else on our website, it is completely free. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. And what's your liberty issue? Is it the war on drugs? Register now for the February 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Speakers to include Jack Cole, the Executive Director of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and Rob Campia, the Executive Director of the Marijuana Policy Project, as well as New Hampshire residents who are working to end the war on drugs. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum for more information and to get registered. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. And uh, I, I'd like to attend the Liberty Forum, which is one of the reasons why I did not arm myself when I went to Ed Brown's house. In the event that his home were to be raided while I was there, I didn't want to be shot uh, while I had a gun in my hand. And it, just, it was just a personal choice. I wasn't ready to, uh, to make a stand, an armed stand for liberty. I personally don't feel like it's that time. Ed right. Brown we're feels differently. We're not disputing that the right exists, which is what Fran says, and right. Fran says to exercise the right. But, you know, I've got a right to uh, walk through Liberty City in a G-string made $100 bills if I want to. Mm. It's just not very damn smart. 
So Ed, or excuse me, uh, Fran, this guy who emailed us uh, or emailed me earlier this week, he sent another email, essentially suggesting that I should get shot for carrying a weapon at the at this man's home because it'll excite my listeners. <laughs> yeah, they might get excited for a little while, but then they won't have any more show to listen to. And then what else are they going to do? Going to move up to New Hampshire and get shot themselves? I just don't feel like that's the most exciting thing that could happen. I don't I just, think. You know, for the liberty movement, here's my advice, Ian, stay alive. I think you're more valuable alive in the liberty movement than you you. are dead. Um, I enjoy my life. I've got a nice life. Got a nice uh, girlfriend, got a nice home, got good friends. I've got a a show that's growing, getting more popular. We're spreading the message of freedom far, far, far further than old Fran can with his blog post. Absolutely true. You You know, I mean, we're adding stations on a monthly basis. New stations, new people in new places that have never heard a message like ours before. New internet listeners you know, always coming on. And both of us are integral to making this thing work. Now, if Fran would like to come on and be a, a co-host and then go up there, say, next week and get shot up by the feds, come on. He says, as I said in my earlier message, you're being a bit overdramatic. I'm being overdramatic? <laughs> you're the one that just suggested I should die in for a ratings. blood. <laughs> Why do you continue to believe that you would be shot for simply being armed? Why do you believe that you would be less likely to be shot if you were not armed? How does that make you feel safer? I said before that I knew there was a chance I could get shot. I took a, I understood that risk when I went to Ed Brown's house and I don't necessarily I don't necessarily think that it was any I don't think it was necessarily higher or lower. I think it depends on who the shooter is. I think it depends on how trigger-happy the Fed behind the gun did. Absolutely, uh, gun and I do think that having a gun in your hand makes you um, appear like a threat to that Fed. Right. When they're coming in with their MP5s and their blacked-out uniforms, and you happen to be standing with an AK-47 in your hand, mm-hmm. you don't think you present more of a threat to those people? You're out of your po- cotton-picking mind, Fran! He says, uh, for the record, I didn't attack you for choosing to tow a camera and put myself in harm's way by visiting and supporting Ed Brown. I wrote about my feelings about why you would encourage others not to go to Ed Brown's armed. You interpreted it as a personal attack. It still puzzles me. Have you so little faith in the power of standing up to a bully with equal force? Neither Rick Stanley nor Ed Brown nor I are all from the school where you roll over and pee on your leg when a bully comes for your (laughs) lunch money. He says that right after he claims he wasn't personally attacking me. Sounds like a personal attack to me. You just <laughs> called me a coward again. <laughs> he mentioned that I, you... See, I can read between the lines, Fran. That's what the... There was this... And if you go and find Fran's blog, you'll see his extensively long response to the things we said on the air. And what he doesn't understand is, even though he didn't come right out and say the things that we, we essentially interpreted that he said, mm-hmm. we read between the lines. It sounds like it's there to me. He says, I sincerely hope that not a single shot will be fired. I hope that the fear of retaliation will keep the government at bay long enough for the media to create enough public outcry to see that Ed gets his day in court that does have the jurisdiction to try the case, and the jurors are aware of their right to judge the law and the facts of the case. I pray this will not only shed light on the fraud the IRS has perpetrated for so long, but also on the corruption of our judicial system. Ed is a hero. I hope he'll see this through to the end and will be victorious. It sickens me that the IRS has come between him and his wife. I hope that when all this is over with, the IRS will be held responsible for the pain and suffering that they have caused those good people. All that I agree with. Concur completely. Uh, Ian, I hope you continue to cover this case and continue to point out the sham that has become our corrupt court system. Maybe, just maybe, Ed's case can touch a nerve in enough people so that that change can be made peacefully. Unfortunately, sometimes a show of force is necessary in order to keep the peace from Fran. 
800-259-9231. We're going to go back to uh, Brandon in Japan trying again. Thanks for the patience, Brandon. Hopefully your connection is cleared up at this point. Yeah, how do I sound now? Sounds crystal clear. What's on your mind tonight? Okay, awesome. Okay, well, I have two things. Um, as I was saying before, the first is I try to keep up with uh, the news that's going on in America, even though I'm in Japan. Sure. And I ran across a story this morning um, with our new Secretary of Defense, Robert Gates, who is declaring or in his press conference said that any kind of anti-Iraq resolution passed by Congress helps the enemy. Oh, boy. Congress so, is thinking of yeah. basically passing some kind of um, you're bad they did. president. Didn't they already pass it? I, be- I believe they passed it. No, they're debating it right now. Oh, okay. It's, it's currently being debated as to how they're going to actually word their, uh, you know, their little. But it has no teeth. It doesn't fund. deny any funding yeah, for the war or anything like that. It's just to say you're bad. Uh-uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and, and here's why I find it disturbing. So what he basically said is, is all quoted here from the MSNBC article. He says it's pretty clear that a resolution that in effect says that the general going out to take command of the arena shouldn't have the resources he thinks he needs to be successful certainly emboldens the enemy and our adversaries. So here's why I have a problem with that. And the reason is because uh, last year a little uh, piece of paper called the Military Commissions Act was also passed. Mm-hmm. And here's a perfect example of, oh, well, anything that you say emboldens the enemy. And one of the criterias for determining an unlawful enemy combatant is providing uh, material or moral support to the enemy. Right. So does that mean that the Congress people here are unlawful <laughs> enemy combatants? It could be interpreted that way, I suppose. Yeah. And, and not Scary. Only that, but it's, it's just another in for this government to say any kind of, uh, any kind of anti-Iraq speech or uh, anti-government speech is helping the enemy. With, right, you know, a very big set of quote, quote, quotes there. And they could take that and um, spin it over onto whoever else they wanted to. Uh, they could spin that over to the anti-war crowd. They could spin it over to Free Talk Live for, for, for critiquing the government. We could all get, any one of us could get picked up and thrown in a black van someday. Right, absolutely. And the big thing, I'm glad you brought up Free Talk Live, is one of the things that I was thinking of was the Free State Project. This mm-hmm. is a organized group of people who don't like the government and who are trying to move somewhere to change the government. Right. That sounds an awful lot like a terrorist organization in their book. In their book, it does. Thankfully, there are a number of people that have already moved here, and they're getting active. And the more people come, the more people get together, the stronger we're going to be. And uh, they're not going to get away with it if they try to uh, abduct Free State Project members and uh, and rain terror on us. I don't think we're going to stand for it. Thank you for the call, Brandon. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. It's certainly the prospect of terrible things happening certainly shouldn't scare people away from this movement. Because you can get all kinds of paranoid if you want to about all this. And And terrible things can happen anyway. That's true. More on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. 
and that does include the updates. You get signed up for the updates. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the list at updates.freetalklive.com for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Unlock the key to their heart this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. They'll help you find the perfect way to express your love from the freshest cut flowers, expertly designed arrangements, unique gifts, and treats like their gourmet Cheryl and Company cookies, mouthwatering Fannie Mae chocolates, and more. 1-800-Flowers.com, your florist to choice. As a matter, um, until February, there's a, or February 9th, there is a special, which is buy 12, get 12, free, plus a vase. Now, I assume that 12 that they're referring to is roses, right? I don't know. I presume, unless it's cookies. Uh, it no, cookies. Must, I, I know. But look, nobody's buying you any cookies for Valentine's Day. Aww. Valentine's Day is, uh, you know, boys buying girls. You'll be flowers. my Valentine if you buy me cookies, Mark. I'm not buying you any damn thing. You're not buying me anything. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you buy your last girlfriend for Valentine's Day? A, a stick pack of, of gum. A stick of gum. And that was the first year I knew her. After that, <laughs> it was no more. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The packet eight toll free line. You bring up anything as we go to the phones to the fun. Let's uh, go to the amplifier line. Talk to Mike in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Mike. Hey guys. Hey, what's... Ian, I know that you don't pay uh, federal taxes. I try to. I try to avoid paying as many taxes as uh, as I possibly can, especially federal ones. Right. I should have said that. you said it that way before. But um, now that the Ed Brown case is so uh, I, uh, famous folks say, and now that you've been so related to it, and you've even gone up there, has, and, and I guess maybe to me it seems more real now that you know a Joe Blow who has the same values and acts on them can be attacked so harshly. Um, has that affected you personally regarding your views in the tax issue? Does no. it make you more afraid or less, or um, no. more more willing to act or less? Um, no. The answer is no. It, it makes me more afraid. Now, you've got to remember, to some extent or another, my uh, my fortunes are tied with Ian's. I mean, we're partners in this business, and uh, right. you know, he's the he's he's the talent on the air. I'm I'm I may run all the sales and uh, make the make the money happen around here, but uh, unless you got the talent, you don't have a product. <laughs> and it bothers the crap out of me that uh, you know Ian might possibly get some kind of trouble. I mean, at this point, I don't think... I think he's still under their radar. I'm sure a number of people... I don't see how I could be under their radar. I mean, we know that the feds are looking at nhfree.com, which is a website that I own... Uh, we know that. I mean, if they if they've even done their uh, a little bit of research, they know that. Um, then they probably dug into me and found uh, found out who I am. So I'm not. If, I I'm pretty sure they know who I am, and I'm not concerned about it. And the reason why I'm not concerned about it is because I don't want to be a slave. Like I just can't accept. I understand that a lot of people will see what's happening to Ed Brown and they'll get scared and they'll say, Oh no, they're they're going to hurt that guy. I better go pay my taxes. Well, you know what? I'm not uh I'm not going to jump through their hoops. I am not a federal government slave. Yes, I'm still paying my property taxes here in Keene. That's because I'm choosing to. I don't feel like uh, fighting that particular fight at this point. Uh, but the and and yes, there are some government services that I obviously use the roads, etc. Here, but I don't have any use for the federal government. I don't have any use for their services. I don't want their programs, and I don't want to fund their violence. So it's just a matter of principle. Um, whether or not I'm more scared or less scared isn't even a factor for me. Well, I'm not suggesting that you change your principle. I'm just wondering, like you didn't want to take a gun up there because it would have put you a little more in the in the uh, in the line of danger than going up there without a gun. Uh, but I, I believe that you're probably 
more on their radar than Ed Brown was. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who didn't pay six hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars or whatever that exact amount was, and that's that's not a lot to the U.S. government. Whereas you are teaching people about freedom and sure, and I I, I just think that you are a a bigger blot on their radar. I'm a dangerous so, man, Mike. Dangerous. You're a dangerous man. I'm scared to be on the call right now. But I guess the specific question I had was, since you didn't want to even take a gun up there, if the same thing happens to you, which is now apparently quite likely, I mean, it's sooner or later, would you be willing to take up a gun then, or would you, would it still not be a battle yet to fight, and you'd fight it in a different way? I don't know how I would handle that. It's an excellent question, um, and I, I guess I would have to analyze the situation as it came about. If it, it seems to me that while it's true that they've gone after certain individuals who have a bit of um, notoriety like uh, Wesley Snipes, Willie, Willie Nelson, Nelson. Uh, the Richard Hatch from Survivor, they've gone after these individuals who are big stars and they've held them up as examples to the rest of the American people and said, look, you can't even get away with not paying taxes if you're Wesley Snipes. You don't think you can get away with it, do you, Americans? Don't well, even try. Don't even think about it. Wesley Snipes and, and Willie Nelson and all those other guys, they bend, and they bend right over and they break as soon as the federal government comes after them. They don't have a, a, a network of activists to stand behind them. They don't have a network of activists. That they could if they asked for them. They could if they came out and said, you know what, forget these taxes. Uh, I, I'm not for them. I'm not going to pay them. And I think there are a lot of Americans out there that agree with me. They don't have the courage to do that. It's like people that the Hollywood stars that get busted for having marijuana in their purse when they walk through the airport and they say, how'd that get there? They don't come right out and say, you know what, I smoke marijuana and so does most of Hollywood and uh, this, these laws are insane. I like marijuana. Right, they don't have the courage to come out and talk out against the, uh, these things. I do. And uh, the the more uh, powerful, the more widespread that Free Talk Live gets, uh, essentially the more dangerous I will become. But at the same time, the more dangerous it will become for them to go after me. Do you see how that works? Uh, Yeah, I do. I just, uh, I guess, I guess now that it's, yes, I do. I understand. (laughs) Right. So thank you for the call, Mike. We appreciate hearing from you. Thank you. 800-259-9231. So in a way, um, basically what I'm banking on here. And maybe maybe it'll turn out to not be the case. Maybe they'll come after me tomorrow. I don't know. Um, but for the for the most part, the idea is simple. Like the publicity that we have on Free Talk Live, the ability that we have to reach out to the masses or as, as masses as we can reach out to, in a way, sort of helps insulate us from attack. In a way, it usually, helps protect us. Well, usually, what they go after people for is. Um, you know, like fake filings. They mm-hmm. they file their taxes, and they lie about it. Or if they put a zero on the line or whatever. You just don't file your taxes. Right. You say that this piece of paperwork has nothing to do with me, and I'm not doing it. I look at it as uh, getting a mail from strangers. <laughs> I, I don't know who these people are. Uh, I, you're, you're sending me a, a, a message in the mail, uh, essentially a threat, <laughs> saying that I have to fill out your paperwork. Or but you else... never have gotten one of these, have you? What a threat! A threat. From I've gotten IRS forms, and there's threats on every one of them. It says if you don't, if you sign this form and it's not uh, accurate, then you could be thrown in jail. But you haven't. They haven't sent you anything about not filing your they taxes. They have not. Okay. Of course, um, I was filing when I filed. I filed down in Florida, and I'm now in New Hampshire. And but I haven't gotten notice that it's gone to my parents' house or anything. When like you that. the last time, I mean, you, you when you got paid by a company, you had to pay your taxes because they took it out. That's correct. Um. So and I got refunds and all that. And then you um and obviously. You know, you did your little duty at that point. Right. Basically, when you went to work for Free Talk Live full time, you went 
into your savings. You weren't making any money for Correct. the first two or three, three years. years. Um, they Four can't, years almost. You know, if they force you to um, fill out a tax form, um, if they force you to fill out a tax form, say you haven't filed your taxes, you've got to file your taxes. Even so, well into 2007, um, if, if my sales predictions are correct, well into 2007, it wouldn't matter because you've had losses mm-hmm. over the last three years because of Free Talk Live. I mean, it's a small business. You put a lot of time and energy into it. Also, um, the only uh, the only actual forms that have been filled out for this business mm-hmm. were the uh, – I don't even remember what they're called. They're like these uh, – these, this one form you fill out in Florida to state a name of the Fictitious business. name. Fictitious name. And I had to do that to get a bank account. Yes. You have to have a fictitious – But I, di- I didn't file for a corporation. I didn't file for uh, – I didn't jump through any of their hoops. I haven't gone for an IRS status, a 501C, whatever the heck they no, no, are. S-Corp. I, whatever. See, I don't know anything mm-hmm. about that I know crap. you don't. <laughs> and I shouldn't have to do that research in order to do business. And I'm not. So screw them. 800-259-9231. I'm no slave. You shouldn't be either. You take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. The Packet8.net toll-free line. Greg in Ohio, your call's about anything on the way. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The Packet 8, uh, Packet8.net toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Once again, 1-800-259-9231. Just enough time for your call if you make it right now. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. 35 categories of products, all sorts of different things. Everything from furniture to office products, even like bathroom articles. I mean, you can virtually get anything that you might find at a department store at amazon.freetalklive.com. Great prices. Super uh, free super saver shipping on many items. In fact, I believe every item in the grocery store has free super saver shipping. Yeah, that's right. You can get groceries too. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Percentage of your sale goes to benefit Free Talk Live. So get the stuff you need delivered to your door and help Free Talk Live out all at the same time. That's Amazon.freetalklive.com. To the phones, to the fun. Greg in Ohio, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey guys, how you doing? Great, Greg. What's on your mind? Oh, not much. I called you guys a couple weeks ago to see if you got my Tim Ryan clips, the congressman, and I know if you guys got to check them out yet or yeah, not. Yeah, did you have or... anything else on your mind? Well, I was just going to say, I think you guys are, I know you guys are against kind of a lot of the Congress and the senators. And I thought, we, hey, we got a good guy out there for Ohio. What for makes you say he's good? What makes you say he's good? Well, I mean, he stands up against the Bush. He wants the 9-11. He wants to investigate 9-11 further. So? I mean... He's just a, an upstanding guy. That doesn't I mean, mean anything to me. I mean, you can be partisan and stand up against Bush. That doesn't make you a good guy. It just means you're anti-Bush. He fights for the. He's been fighting for the minimum wage for a while. I hate he, the minimum what? wage, Greg. Greg, I think that the minimum wage costs poor people jobs. You really do. I think it's a good thing. You no, obviously haven't done any research idea. into it. You obviously don't uh, don't know much about it. The minimum wage. Well, is well, a, well hold up. Let's let's raise the minimum wage to a hundred dollars an hour if it's a great thing. Well, I wish they would. I'd make more money. No, you wow, wouldn't, Greg. Because you you'd really lose your job, Greg. You're not worth a hundred dollars an hour, my friend. Well, we've got. I mean, these people got to have a, a living the, wage. It, it, I, commerce people. would stop. Look, I've looked up uh, your friend Ryan here on the um, Republican Liberty Caucus's index of uh, yeah. you know uh, members here, 
And in uh, 2003, he came up as a uh, statist. It, 30% is what his score was. So 30% liberty rating, meaning he votes for freedom 30% of the time? Right. He, basically, he's a socialist. He, um, he looks at economic issues. Uh, he's voted against economic freedom um, 10 out of 100 times, uh, or excuse me, Against it, 90, 90 out of 100 times. Against, in 2003, 80 out of uh, 100 times in 2004, and 85 out of 100 times in 2005. You know, I would do whatever I possibly could to keep Ryan, uh, Mr. Ryan out of office. I hate him. He's a danger I mean, to freedom. He may very well be um, after Bush, and he may um, believe that something different happened on 9-11 than what the, uh, the, the bureaucrats are talking about up there. But that doesn't make him a hero. He's a socialist. Yeah, he's a scumbag. And uh, on the minimum wage issue, if you just think about it, Greg, if yeah. you just put your mind to it for a little while, you can figure out why the minimum wage is a bad idea. And if you listen to what Mark said, and he, he asked you, why don't we make it $100 an hour? You said, sure, make it $100 an hour without thinking about the ramifications. Greg, have you ever owned a business? No, I haven't. Okay, well, that, that explains one thing. How old are you? I'm 29. Okay. Uh, when you run a business, there are costs involved, and you have right. to uh, you have to cover your costs like rent on the building, the employees, how much they cost. You, know, you got to pay the power bill, various other costs you have to pay in order to stay in business. If all of a right. sudden you have to quintuple the amount that you're paying your employees, do you understand how that's going to have an effect on your bottom line and um, the money that you that you're bringing in and, and paying out? Yeah, but haven't they? They haven't raised the minimum wage in what ten years? But why do they have to raise? Oh, hold on, just a second, Greg. Imagine the minimum wage went to, went away tomorrow. Okay, it's gone. Right. Poof. Now, and your employer is a bad guy. He's an evil man. He decides I'm going to start paying Greg one penny an hour. What are you going to do? I have to look for another job. You're going to immediately start looking for another job. Why? Because you own you, my friend. You get right. to decide. You are the business that runs Greg, and you decide how much you sell your labor for. Because you're not going to work for a penny, and you're not going to work for a dime an hour, and you're not going to work for a dollar an hour, and you're probably not going to work for $7.50 an hour. He's got to pay you, at the very least, what you feel you're worth. And if he doesn't, you're not going to work there. Right. All the minimum wage does is it steps in between employers and employees and their ability to negotiate with one another what their deal is. Like, some, like there could be somebody out there that has no legs, doesn't speak English, and is um, a black woman in a wheelchair. Like, right. what if she wants to work for a living? She's not worth five fifteen an hour. And this, the law that Mr. Ryan here is supporting, the minimum wage law... That cuts her out of having um, fruitful work. It's a fact. Every time the minimum wage goes up, uh, poor and low-end, low-skilled workers lose their jobs. It's an economic fact. And unfortunately, people like Tim Ryan prey on the emotions of individuals who, when they hear the idea of getting paid more, they immediately emotionally respond and say, Whee! Heck yeah! I need a raise! I need more money! But unfortunately, they don't think it through. And if you're paying somebody seven bucks an hour and then all of a sudden you have to pay them a hundred dollars an hour, there are only certain things you can do then, Greg. Uh, all you can do, what you can do, well, there's only a few things you can do. You can raise your prices, which means that everyone around the country will raise their prices, which will mean that a hundred dollars won't be worth what it was worth before they raise the minimum wage. Or you can cut back on quality or you can cut back on staff. Either way, it's damaging to your business. And, and to the and, to freedom. And not only your business, but the business that all your employees work at. 
That's you, right. Greg. If your company takes a hit, you take a hit. Greg, right. any other thoughts for us? I was just, I thought it was a good idea to raise minimum wage. I didn't think of it that way, I guess. You guys it, bring up a good point. I appreciate it. Take like a look around. Go, keep up the good work. Do, do me a favor and go to, uh, go to the web, punch in libertarian and minimum wage, and you will find some very, very interesting statistics, uh, very interesting information. In fact, head over to ruart.com. If you're somebody who sort of uh, leans more to the left, somebody who um, is concerned with poor people and, uh, and, and, and getting people paid what they deserve, you really owe it to yourself to go and read an excellent book called Healing Our World, ruwart.com. There's a free edition online. You don't have to pay for it, and uh, it will change your life. Thanks for the call. Okay. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the packet eight dot net toll free line for you. Do you, see, do you see the power these politicians have over people sure. with their rhetoric? Well, and they have the power to do things for people that they want done. Mm-hmm. I would love somebody to mandate that I got paid a hundred dollars an hour. No, better yet, that free talk live must be carried on every talk radio station around the country. That'd be awesome. At the that fairness po- doctrine. At that point, I can just I can write my check um, for whatever I want. So, you know, I would love to have a politician in there swinging for me. But really what that is is it's just it's it's not fair to everybody. If you, um, you know, have somebody in there, uh, you know, on the inside, it's like the mobsters buying somebody off. Yeah, it's it's not fair at all Um, to business people. It's not it's it's an insult against freedom and it needs to be opposed. Unfortunately, the Republicans don't even they don't oppose it for the right reasons. The Republicans say, sure, let's increase the minimum wage, but give me a couple of cuts uh, on some other program to make me feel better about it. Right. So they're selling you down the river, too. They're all a bunch of scam artists. Oh, I'm not saying for a second that I, I think that the Republicans are, uh, are, are our saviors and the Democrats are evil. I, God, I hope I don't sound like that. Well, you got you got to be careful with the people's uh, people's mindset in America. When right. they hear people talking against the Democrats, they immediately presume, "Well, you're a Republican." Well, we're not. They the Republicans do. are scumbags too, most of them. They do seem to, um, you know, make that sort of assumption. Bill writes in. He says things I'd like to see you guys mention: drugs. If drugs were legalized, don't you think that they we could make better drugs with research? Heroin, cocaine, not addictive anymore. Fewer hangovers and such. We could make better drugs. Maybe. I I don't think so, though, because if you look at alcohol, they haven't made alcohol with fewer hangovers, have they? They haven't done that. No. Don't you think that would be in demand? They, they have made uh, hangover cures that really, some of them really do work. But Okay, that's an interesting point. Alternative, uh, but but Budweiser themselves aren't, aren't selling the hangover cure. You don't get a hangover cure with a six-pack of beer. You don't get that. No, you don't. Um, I'm just I'm I'm thinking of uh, you know ways that they've improved it. You know they have done. There's superior filtering processes out there. You can buy better liquor. It's than, cleaner. You mean? Yeah. You, um, you can buy better top shelf liquors. At the very least, people say that you get fewer hangovers from uh, the better liquors better stuff. than huh. you do from the uh, crappier stuff. I'm not a hundred percent sure this is true. I've certainly had. Um, hangovers that kicked my butt from Grey Goose um, mm-hmm. vodka. I've had, uh, you know, I've gotten away without having hangovers from uh, cheap, uh, you know, call brand vodka. Not call brand, but well brand vodka. One thing's for sure: if drugs were legal, then they would be cleaner. They would be made in controlled environments where there wouldn't be impurities. There would be quality control, and you'd be able to take doses that you knew exactly what you were getting. But certain drugs, by their nature, their chemical structure is addictive. You can't make nicotine less addictive. 
Oh, yes, you can. You can make it more addictive, and they have. No, no, that's they're adding more nicotine. Oh, I see. You can't make the chemical itself more or less addictive. It's just a... That's just what the chemical is. Mm -hmm. So the answer to that is no. More of the way tomorrow night. Join us in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Do you like to build things? Have you ever cut wood with a tool? Are you tired of poor quality goods found in the Megalomart? If you answered yes to any of these questions, woodcraftplans.com has a fun project for you to make. We have hundreds of blueprints and patterns which can help all skill levels of craftspeople make wooden lawn furniture, bedroom furniture, yard decor like wishing wells and shadow figures, rocking horses, and a lot more. Visit woodcraftplans.com today. Get a plan and start building. That's woodcraftplans.com.